We want to welcome you. Let's, let's open in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for that we know that you work in each one of our lives individually. But we also know that we gather strength and hope by coming together and finding out what you've done for each other and that nothing is too desperate when we come to you, Lord. So Lord, let us open our hearts today. Let us share, learn from your word, and let us, let us also learn from each other how you have been the great and glorious God that you are. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship our Lord. So anybody been out by that Rocking K Ranch area? Um, I saw that there's a new way to get to the other part of Old Spanish Trail. Have they completed that stretch across the bridge? So, so you have another way to get to... It's amazing. Oh, sweet. Well, my uh, devotion this morning is much sweeter than knowing about that bridge because we've got this other bridge to heaven. Um, set free from sin. In him we have redemption through his blood. A loving mother had saved her little girl from a burning house. She was severely burned, and her hands and her arms were part of that burning. When the, gir when the little girl grew older, not knowing of her mother's arms and how they became scarred, um, she was ashamed of those scarred hands. Gnarled, gnarled and always insisted that her mother wear long gloves to cover the ugliness. But one day, the daughter asked her mother how her hands became to be so scarred. The mother, for the first time, told the story of how she saved her daughter's life with those very hands. The daughter wept tears of gratitude and said, Oh, mother, those are beautiful hands, the most beautiful in the world. Don't ever hide them again. Just so, the blood of Christ may seem to be so grim, repulsive of a subject to those who do not realize the true significance. But those who have been rescued from sin's chains, those Christ nail-pierced hands are the most beautiful beyond, beyond measure. For they tell us of his love and his willingness to save us regardless of the cost. And the hope for today, thank you, Jesus, for the beauty of your blood-stained cross. I will not be ashamed, and I will not look away. May your cross be the centerpiece of my life.
Testament scripture today comes from Psalms 29. Honor the Lord, your heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like the wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness shake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone shouts glory. The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives the people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. And if you'd like to stand as we say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our <coughs> And not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Just praise the Lord, praise the 
Testament reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard about the, that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. And we'll do our responsive reading. With all my heart, I praise you, Lord. In the presence of angels, I sing your praises. I worship at your holy temple and praise you for the love and your faithfulness. When I asked for your help, you answered my prayer and gave me courage. All kings on this earth have heard your promises, Lord, and they will praise you. They will sing what you have done. Through you are above us all, ever humble people you keep a close watch on everyone who is proud. You protect me against my enemies. With your own powerful arm, you keep me safe. You, Lord, will always treat me with kindness. Your love never fails. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, the gifts we give today, we know they all belong to you anyway. But you, ask, you tell us, you instruct us to give back, to give back openly and to freely that because we know that, that, that you have shown your love to us and that we give back so that we can show our love to others, that we can reach out, we can be your emissaries, Lord, and that we can share that love that you, you share with us that we can share with others and make them know that it comes from you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's my privilege to be back with you again. I love coming to this church, and not just because you have a beautiful view of the mountains. I want you to know that. <laughs> but I, I love that. I need to ask your patience a little bit this morning. I need to ask your patience because uh, I'm having visual problems. About two years ago, I, I had cataract surgery. And sometimes I understand, and I've been told, 
Your body reacts eventually to that lens that's been put in there, and it gets fogged over. Well, I'm fogged over. They tell me that they have a procedure down at the VA where they're going to remove that fog, and it should never come back. However, at this point in time, we've got to take these glasses off because, believe it or not, I can see the text at this point better. But if you see me really lifting it up or squinting, please be patient with me. Uh, the problem that I'm kind of facing a little bit at this point in time. Let's go to the word in prayer. Go to the Lord and, and a word of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that even in these Old Testament Psalms that we know that the Holy Spirit moved the writers uh, to pen the very words that you want us to know, the things that you want us to hear. So we come this morning and I ask for you, Lord, to bless me as I would speak these, these words again. And also, Lord, that you would with each person here, uh, use the words that I have to say, uh, use that in such a way that it touches their heart and is helpful to them, to help them to, to grow and love you even better. We come and we pray these things this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. As we come to Psalm 23, um, uh, you know, if I had known you were so advanced technologically, <laughs> I, I would. And if I do, should do this again, I will try to make sure that you have a fill-in up here for, for what, is, uh, what I'm going to say, so that uh, you have a blank on your paper to fill in, if you wish but that it prints it off up here for you. Let me uh, start out by a little account, uh, a little story. There was a man who was hiking way up high in the mountains, and the trail was very narrow, and the, the trail was uh, winding, and so he was doing something that you should never do alone, hiking in the mountains. You should always have a companion. But this guy was uh, on his own, out there enjoying nature and so on. Well, finally, something happened. He and he went over the edge, and he grabbed onto a bush that was right near the, the top of the trail. Uh, but he can't get back up. He could not crawl back up and so on. Finally, in desperation, he started to yell out, Is there anyone up there? And there was a voice came back and said, Yes, I'm up here. And he says, Who are you? And the voice said, I'm the Lord. I'm God. And so he says, Well, can you help me? Can you help me out of this? And the Lord said, you have to let go of that bush. The man thought about it for a moment, and he yelled, is there anybody else up there? 
Well, there's a couple things wrong with that story. One of the things is the Lord does not do the... The Lord, our Lord is good, and he's caring for us, and he doesn't do the absurd. The second thing is wrong with it, though, is in the man's response. The man's response, is there anybody else? He's looking for somebody besides God. He's looking for someone else. Let's come as we come this morning. Uh, let's look at Psalm 23. I think that at this point in time, let's go ahead and read it. I will read it to you. Um, a very familiar passage of Scripture. As a matter of fact, if you ever watch TV and there's a funeral service, there's probably at least a 50% chance that they will quote at least a part of this Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sometimes, and it depends a little bit on what Bible you have. I've seen Bibles that don't have this information. But if you have a, a newer Bible, it probably almost certainly tells you that David is the author of this psalm. That David is the one who wrote it. David, as you may remember, had a lot of experience in regarding sheep. Whenever Samuel came to anoint David to be king. Uh, at that point in time, they couldn't find David. Jesse had eight sons, and he kept bringing another son by and another son by and another son by, and the Lord kept saying to Samuel, none of these are the right one. And so they apparently brought all of the boys by, and Samuel says, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Do you have anyone else? And so Jesse, the father, said, well, the youngest, David, is out there with the sheep. He's out there shepherding. He's doing that. And so Samuel says, we won't even sit down until he gets in here. David was brought in, and he anointed him with oil. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in this particular sermon but he anointed him with oil. So David is the one who writes this psalm. Look with me, if you would, at the very first words in the psalm. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. 
I should note as far as your outline is concerned that we're secure in the shepherd's care. We're secure in the shepherd's care. And here David says, the Lord. In other words, if you look in the Hebrew, read the Hebrew straight out, it says Yahweh is my shepherd. He gives a, a very personal name. Yahweh is God who created everything. Those mountains, the sagebrush, anything you can think of, the seas. The, you might say that the Lord has created the earth, the sky, the seas, and everything that is in them. But not only is God the creator God, Yahweh is also the covenant God. He's the covenant God of Israel, but Yahweh, in a very real sense, is the covenant God for us as well. In, in, the, in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it, it says and speaks directly and says, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So he is the God that makes covenant with us as well. He is the God of the covenant. It's also worth noting, I believe, that David didn't pick some other God. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Were there other gods that he could have picked? There was a God named Mark that supposedly gave Hammurabi if you remember some of your history lessons, Hammurabi was a Babylon, supposedly Marduk, who, who, trans, who was very high and put all the other gods that were below him down, came and gave the law of, of Hammurabi to him. He could have chosen Hammurabi. He did not. He chose Yahweh. He, he could have chosen... Um, a god that was named Baal or Baal. Some of you may have heard of Baal. He could have chosen that. Baal was a fertility god. Part of his um, following was that you could have immoral sexual relations. And some chose to follow Baal and thought that sounded good. David says, Yahweh is the god that I choose. He could have chosen Kamish. Kamish was the god of the Moabites. And the Kamish was one who frequently asked for child sacrifice. Burn your children in the fire, he said. Sometimes I think that they had figured out a way to eliminate children, perhaps one that you didn't want, almost like abortion today. We've just figured out how to do it sooner. But we come and we look and David says, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, that's the God that I choose to follow. Because he says, the Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. That's his particular choice. And then he says, I shall not want. In other words, if God is, the, if Yahweh is the God that you choose, and you might put it into New Testament terms because Jesus is a part of Yahweh, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You come and you look at this, and we know that, that as you choose to follow Jesus, 
that you will not want. What you need for that day will be provided. So, as we look on down, we see that it's a, it, what I call, we're secure, uh, not only in the care of the shepherd, but we're secure in what I call the norms, the norms of life. Look with me, if you will, at what follows that. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Notice all those he's. If you happen to have a New American Standard, it just lists those he's all the way straight down for you. A different he. He. He does this. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Now just think if you're a sheep for a minute. If you were a sheep, you were following a shepherd, and the shepherd's leading you, and he leads you to a place where there's green pastures, lush green grass. And so you eat your fill of that grass, and you lie down. And when you wake up, man, grass all around you, you're ready to eat again. So you look at it, and you say, if you're a sheep, that's a good situation. Let me say to you, I think that for the bulk of us, that God has provided us with green pastures. Anybody here who is hungry, don't answer. You might have skipped breakfast. But the chances are good that you had enough food at your house that you could eat and could be satisfied. And I think that's probably true for us most. Secondly, it says, he leads me beside quiet waters. Or your old translation may say, still waters. Sheep will not drink from water that is rushing rapidly. Where their rapids in the water is, is foamy, scares the sheep. And the sheep cannot really enjoy the fluids that it needs, the, the drink that it needs to get. We look at that and we find that the shepherd makes sure that there's quiet water, still waters. I am privileged to have a recliner chair. And I don't know, I know some others have recliner chairs. Uh, when I get in that recliner chair and it's kind of cool this time of year and I can pull a throw up on a little bit, uh, I've reached my quiet waters. I'm right there. God very graciously provided me with that a very enjoyable chair. And then if you look in verse 3, it says that he restores my soul. The best illustration I can think of, uh, maybe I should mention, different commentators and different scholars have looked at this, and there's been discussion of whether it's talking about physical refreshment or whether it's psychological and spiritual type of refreshment. One author I read, uh, name is Derek Kidner. If you ever come across things of his, he writes very well, I think. Anyway, he says that he thinks it is both. The best illustration that I can think of in the Bible in regard to that 
is Elijah. You may remember that Elijah, he had uh, a mountaintop experience, if you want to call it that, on top of Mount Carmel. He defeated, he alone and God defeated 400 uh, false prophets, and they were all put to death. But Elijah was told by the queen Jezebel, the evil queen, she says, tomorrow, boy, I'm going to make your life like one of those dead prophets. I'm going to make sure you are taken out and that you are dead. And so he ran. He ran and he ran. And finally, he's cleared down in Sinai. He's near where Moses received the, the Ten Commandments. And he's just exhausted. He's been running for days. And finally, he just virtually collapses. And so, finally, an angel wakes him up. And the angel says to him, here is food and drink. He ate food. He drank. He went back to, back to sleep. The angel wakes him up again and says, you need food and drink. So what I'm saying is that, in part, Sometimes we need physical restoration. And the angel, by God's command, was giving him that physical restoration. But not only that, as you may remember, he went on to a cave. He was a certain place, and God comes through. And finally, God comes through in a still, small voice and speaks to him, and his soul is restored. I think you both see both the physical need and the psychological need at that point that's restored. And Elijah is a great illustration of the restoration of our soul. And then it says that he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I read that, and I, you know, I thought the person I thought of was Billy Graham. And I know that you read this morning from a Billy Graham devotional. Uh, Billy Graham, the thing about Billy Graham is, as far as I know, there was never, you, we hear sometimes about certain evangelists or pastors, and there's some kind of a scandal, either with finances or some other problem. But Billy Graham did not have that. And I remember about 30 years ago, I, I read a quote of the uh, salary that Billy Graham himself received. He did not enrich himself in any way with that ministry. He received a very modest salary, all things considered. And I look at that, and it says, he guides me in the paths of righteousness. And I couldn't think, help but think how Billy Graham did not in any way shame the name of the Lord or bring dishonor to God's word. But Billy Graham uh, was in charge of and the Billy Graham ministry, even to this day, has been very, very circumspect with its finances and with, with everything that they do. In other words, I think it's, they do, in fact, um, they uh, walk in the paths of righteousness and been an honor to God's name. Okay, as we look a little further with that, we find that um, in the security and care, that also it, it, the security and care is there in time of danger, 
and difficulty. Danger and difficulty if you're filling in there. We read the, the verse here. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. The valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes I don't really like how much the way message, the message put things. But Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, at this time he, say, he wrote down and said, even though I go through death valley, he says, he says I don't, I'm ready. I'm ready even for that. Ready for death valley without, without fear. I fear no evil. I feel, no translation would say, I fear no harm. Let me point out here, as far as dangerous concern. I, you know, I look around this little congregation, and there aren't many, too many people here that are 21 years old. Not too many. I come and I look, and and I, th I think it would be possible for any one of us, uh, say in the next six months or a year or something. To have a doctor say to us, you know, the tests don't look good. The things that uh, the lab tests and the exams that we have done, uh, matter of fact, are bad. And so we look at that and suddenly you'd be facing some kind of a danger, perhaps a physical type danger. But danger could be financial. It could be that that which you have put, pinned your hopes on financially for some reason goes bad or does not produce and it looks very bad. It could be that you could have a danger of a failed relationship. I personally know of a situation that has occur occurred over the Christmas holidays where a mother and a daughter are just miles apart. They're separated can hardly talk to each other at this point in time. So there can be the danger of a failed relationship, sometimes divorce or death. There can be a failed relationship. But uh, the psalmist writes here, David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. What is the part of the reason for no, no fear and no evil. Well, God cares for us. And by the way, I want to point out one thing. In the first part we read there, verses 2 and 3, it says he does this. God does this. He leads us by the water. He leads us in the paths of righteousness. I want you to notice in this second part, the pronoun has changed where it says very clearly, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. It's no longer like God is, is doing such and such and leading and restoring. It has changed. The pronoun is like you are right alongside of me. The pronoun has changed to you are going to be my protection. You are going to Watch out for me and care for me. And notice that it says that rod and staff, they comfort me. 
Let me tell you about that rod. It's kind of like a baseball bat. It's like a cudgel. And the shepherd would wear that, that rod on a belt around his waist. And that, that rod, that cudgel, if a wolf came, he could take that and beat it to the ground. The, the shepherd would protect in that way. The shepherd also had what we would call a big walking stick, maybe about like this. Sometimes it had a crook on it. Sometimes it was a straight stick. But he would keep the sheep on the path, or he would keep the sheep going where they were supposed to be, using that, that shepherd's crook, if you will. So rod and staff were means to protect and guide the sheep. So we look at that and we see that not only are we secure in the shepherd's care, but notice that we're secure against enemies. We're against those who are truly hate us, are mean to us, would take us down, if you will, that would mean us harm. Notice that it says that there is, that the um, very presence of the enemies. Uh, again, the message says, you've set up for me a six-course table, a six-course dinner in the presence of my enemies. And so he's, the situation is, the enemies are looking on. They don't get to participate in the dinner that the, that the psalmist is envisioning here. The enemies have to look on and see the person, uh, the, the one, David, being honored. They have to look at that and see him being honored. We look and we see, see that it says, you have anointed my head with oil. Now, we're in a different culture, and when I first was mentioning and talking to June about that, she says, that sounds like it's a mess. And I think most of us here in, in our American, North American culture would think that to be a mess. But remember, back in that day, it was such an honor. And frequently the oils would be perfumed. They would have a sweet scent to them. And so the priest, uh, Aaron and his sons, would have oil poured on their hair head and would even run down, it says, and be in their beard. We know that, as I mentioned, David had oil poured on his head. So it was an honor back in that day, an extreme honor. So we look at it and see that his head was anointed with oil, highly honored. And then he says, my cup overflows. Have you ever been to a banquet where where you were well taken care of at the banquet, where before your water glass could even begin to get empty, somebody was filling it again and again. I'm sure David is thinking about a cup of wine, but it can't get empty. As soon as he's sipped or taken a drink, it's being filled up again. So he's honored in the presence of enemies who have to look on, who don't like him very much but he's the one that's honored and taken care of. And so he looks at that and he says that in the, even in the presence of enemies, 
he's going to be cared for. By the way, Jesus told a Pharisee, this obviously carried clear over to the New Testament, Jesus, you may remember, was invited to eat at the home of a Pharisee, and there was a, a woman who came in who anointed his uh, feet with her tears and was very um, close to God and crying and so on. And uh, the Pharisee uh, dismissed her and thought, well, if Jesus knew what kind of a woman she was, he'd tell her to get out of there. But Jesus said to him, he said, when I came, he says, you didn't have any wor anybody wash my feet? And he says, and you didn't anoint my head with oil. So this carries clear over to the New Testament as far as being uh, a, a procedure that would be carried out to honor somebody. So then what the, Jesus is saying to the Pharisee, you didn't honor me. You didn't care. But this woman has come and she has honored me. If you look uh, at your next uh, cheat, uh, notice that this psalm says that we're secure not only for the care of the shepherd, not only in the presence of our enemies, but we're secure for time and eternity. Read with me uh, verse number 6. It says, Surely goodness and loving kindness or mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Notice that we're secure for time eternity. In this life, you know, we talked about the things at the very beginning that I feel yeah, that deal with this life. You know, it could be that there will be shortages at point, some point in the supermarket. Maybe just won't be shortages of toilet paper. Maybe there'll be shortages of other things. Maybe there'll be things, maybe things will, will get tough. But even in that, those kind of circumstances, the Lord says that he is our shepherd. He is going to care for us in this life. And then secondly, note that it says, not only this life, but the life hereafter. The life hereafter. Eternity. The very last line of the, of the psalm reads, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. At the time David wrote this, temple hasn't been built yet. The tabernacle exists but he considers that to be the house of the Lord that he wants to be close to and have access to. But I think it goes beyond that. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you trust in him to be your Savior, then what it, this is saying is you don't have to worry about life after death. You don't have to worry about covid you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about this life. You don't have to worry about death. You don't have to worry about COVID. You don't have to worry about cancer. You don't have to worry about accidents. You don't have to worry about 
if things were to become very difficult and there was anarchy, you still don't have to worry about rioting. Jesus, remember, said in, in the Gospel of John, he says, I am the good shepherd. And all of these things that are mentioned here, the care that is mentioned here, is carried over into the New Testament because the Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd cares for his sheep. Who are the sheep? That's us. For people who believe and trust in the Lord, that's us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your care. We thank you for sending your Son, your only Son, the Lord Jesus, to be a substitute in our place. We thank you, Lord, for sending the Holy Spirit, whose other name is Comforter. We thank you that you have done all these things which show your great care for us. Lord, we are your people. Meta metaphorically, we are your sheep. But we desire to follow you. Help us, encourage us, strengthen us to follow you better and better every day. We come and we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And Lord, for the words of David, as he reminds us of what it is to have you always watching over us and knowing that we need nothing else, Lord, for you will be there and you are always there. Lord, there is great comfort and knowing that you will always be with us. So Lord, as we leave today, let us go with that comfort and with that knowledge that you're always with us and you will always take care. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen.